What's going on, all you Tringuses out there? Welcome to the podcast. This edition of the podcast was recorded in April of 2020. We have the victorious Athanasius Cyrilla on the podcast. Special guest, he had just won the presidency, student government. Uh, we had Clem on the week before. I mean, just think of those names, right? Athanasius, Clement. You know these are great dudes. They got some crazy great names. Uh, Athanasius, he goes by Nash. We just talk about all things Franciscan, what he's hopeful for. He talks about how he doesn't like academic lecture series. He wants to change that. We ask him about the climbing wall, the rock climbing wall, which is pretty famous at Franciscan as a you know student government waste of money. Is student government a waste of time? Uh, we, we challenge him on it. We, we get into all of that. And then special for all of you guys, UFC 249. Kellen and I just, it, what a crazy UFC. Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson. UFC 249, we get into it. Just a crazy fight. The fact that Gaethje just really just took the belt. I mean, just absolutely destroyed Ferguson. So we get into all of that and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kellen and Alex Show. And bam, we are live. Welcome, Mr. Nash. Welcome, Mr. President. Thank you so much. To the Kellen and Alex Show. Dude, glad to have you. President-elect. President-elect, right? Because you're not officially sworn in yet. That's true. Yeah, no, thank you so much. It's it, I am really honored to have to be on the show. It's man, what an honor. This is the first show I have been asked to be in since my since the election. So this is your victory yeah. lap. Your it victory is. lap after a hard fought campaign against uh mm-hmm. Emma and Pat, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when did you start campaigning? Was this even into like last fall or was this just this spring? I I guess it depends on how you define when we start campaigning. So we, so I decided I wanted to run probably in the very beginning of the spring 2019 semester. And I told people, I told a select group of people that I wanted to run that semester. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then throughout the summer, some people knew, I guess uh, I asked Clem to originally be my campaign manager and then my vice president uh, in the summer and then the fall of last year. So I guess you could say we officially kicked off our campaign last fall. That's when we really started to, like, I guess, put the pieces in place. And then our official like campaign launch was, I don't think we did that until maybe, honestly, April. I think is when we announced like our social media, but it's been a work in progress since January, 2019, (laughs) January, 2019. Okay. Wow. Dang. (laughs) That's a long while. Nash, what was your initial reaction right when you saw that you guys won? Uh, Dude, I was so relieved. You can ask, (laughs) yeah, you can ask Clem, like we were in that room. So what happened is, um, so (laughs) we basically, the way the election normally works is the ballots are paper ballots. So the justices have to all get together and count them out, like count the pieces of paper. So you don't find out for hours. And you know that because you're like, okay, it's paper. It takes a while. And you know, we'll find out when we find out, but this year it's all electronics. We had no idea when we would know. So we knew that at four 30, the polls closed. But then after that, we were like, we could know at four 45, we could know the next day. Like who knows? So I had Clem over at 4.30. He came over to my house at 4.30. And we were both sitting in a room together for four hours. Well, okay, we, we ate dinner. So 
there was that tragic but we basically yeah so we were basically <laughs> sitting together for four hours and we're like we have no idea when we're gonna find out we were so nervous so anxious we're just like sitting and then i, I forget we were, we were talking we were talking to each other i forget what it was about and then all of a sudden my phone rings and i look down i'm like clum this is it this is <laughs> this is uh this is billy and uh i pick up and i put it on speaker and he just said it and we were, i we just kind of looked at each other and we were like oh my god just waves of relief, I guess. And then you, fi- when did you find out like the percentages? Did they tell you right away? So it was yeah, like 70 we, something percent, right? Yeah, we asked him immediately. We we're like, yeah, do you know what the breakdown was? And he was like, yeah, it was, um, it was 70 to 28 because there was a, a, a good bit of people who voted for the, uh, what do you call it? Like the best senior guy and best senior girl, but didn't mm-hmm. vote for president. So, yeah. Two percent Russian bots, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Well, dang. So, so that's a long campaign. That's over a year, and I mean, since January twenty nineteen. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's definitely a work in progress. You know. Right. Uh, it's one of those things where, like, you know, you finish. You're like, wow. I'm really glad I didn't waste the last year and four months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair enough. What, like, how did you, uh, I mean, did you think you were going to get such a mandate, 70%? No, not you thought it was be a lot slightest. closer? Yeah. Oh, oh man, no. Yeah, we definitely didn't expect it to be that big of a win. I guess, I think somebody did ask me either the day before or the day of, and I said, I would be surprised if one side got more than 55% of the vote. Um, so I was surprised. Got the mandate. But, There's even bigger news than just winning the election. Congratulations, Mr. Nash, on your engagement. Goodness, <laughs> man. That is awesome. Thank you so much, guys. That was yeah. last wow. week when uh, you announced you got engaged? Yeah, it was actually a week ago today. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Passed Congrats, the one man. week mark and still engaged. So, <laughs> you know. That's awesome. Um, yeah, no, it's it's it was great. I mean, I, I knew that for sure that it was going to happen at, after the end of the semester. Mm-hmm. But I didn't obviously anticipate that I would have to wait for her to come back to Steubenville from New Jersey. Uh, but yeah, so I did like, yeah, I don't know. It was just, I'm really glad that it was able to happen because once the coronavirus thing hit, I was like, shoot, am I going to have to wait? Like, wait, so you so you had it planned and it was going to be after you got back for spring break, you're going to, propose well but uh she went home well it depends on well so what happened is um so pretty much from the beginning of the semester i knew it was going to be the end of the semester like in may Mm. i was like i want to do it right before she goes back home uh but then once the coronavirus thing hit she just yeah i mean she so for spring break what we did is we spent half of it at her house and half of it at my house but then once you know the coronavirus thing hit she just packed up some of her stuff and went back home I was like, shoot, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I <laughs> hope she comes back. I, ho- I hope she's allowed to come back. Like, Otherwise, I don't know what I'm going to do. But Worked out. Are you, uh, so, Are you a, a firm believer in the ring by spring, Nash? <laughs> See, I'm I'm a believer in the ring by junior spring, which is what I uh, hold by. That's right. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm really um, blessed, you know, like super lucky. Um, 
yeah, it's funny. Like, I don't know if I would have been able to anticipate this when I came into college, but very glad that it's worked out in this way, you know? Yeah, that's awesome, man. You've had school closing down and everything stopping and then got elected and then got engaged all within a bit. Uh, We've just kicked Kellen out of the call, by the way. Get out of here. Nice. Uh, He should be coming back. He he was having some Wi-Fi issues, but um, yeah, dude. Wow. Top. I'm. Yeah, I'm definitely super, super lucky. I know, right? I'm so lucky, and I have a feeling that something really, really bad is going to happen to me very soon because... Well, I mean, you're already on the Kellen and Alex show, so I mean, (laughs) just check that one off. If you hear about some, like, major 50-car pileup in eastern Ohio, uh, (laughs) don't be surprised when you read that. (laughs) <laughs> when you read the names. By the way, Twitch viewers, we are taking chat. Uh, Cyclops Saber Brown says, congrats, Athanasius. And then he also said, why does Kellen always have Wi-Fi issues? This is a great question. He lives in the mountains, so that does make a difference. Mm, he's right yeah. He's right on the Nevada border, right where Tahoe is. So it's like a really pretty area up there, but wow. bad Wi-Fi, unfortunately. That's um, cool. So you will yeah. be officially sworn in in beginning of the fall by the way who was it that called you for the election results it was the chief justice of student government so billy chester um yeah he was a senior this past year he just graduated um he oh well which by the way alex congrats on (laughs) graduating (laughs) oh thanks yeah i appreciate that it's probably Uh, i gotta get final grades in tomorrow so we'll we'll see if i pass everything but that's true yeah it must yeah it's really unfortunate like with all the people graduating and it's almost as if like it didn't happen because the ceremony wasn't there. And I think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so congrats on that, but, um, congrats to you as but, well, Kellen. Yes. Congrats, yeah. Kellen. For what? Uh, on leaving the See? Zoom call all the time and having bad Wi-Fi. We just <laughs> wanted to congratulate your stupidity. And, uh, Hey, look, man, I'm out in the middle of the forest. Okay. It's not fair. That's right. We yeah. can tell you're in the middle of the woods right now with your pink background. <laughs> Is that your room? <laughs> Yeah, bro. I chose it's a salmon color. Okay, it's not pink. Yeah, though. salmon, salmon, jerk. salmon, dude. Of course. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so it was Billy Chester who who gave me the call, and um, but um, so he won't be around in the fall to swear me in because okay. you know he graduated. Uh, but um, what we're probably gonna do? I mean, I guess it's up to Mister Schmeezing and uh, me and Clem, I guess, to sort of work out what we're gonna do probably we're going to have somebody step in as the acting chief justice. And then that person will swear me and Clemen and then the rest of the Senate. And then we will confirm our appointments and then it will be back to normal. So nice. sometime early next semester. So I wanted to ask a lot of people, you know, have no idea what student government is or does at Franciscan at all. If you had to, as the president describe, you know, very briefly to someone who had no idea, what does, Franciscan University's student government do? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it can best be summed up in, I guess, two words, maybe. So represent and allocate, <laughs> um, or maybe even you can say advocate and allocate uh, for the double A's. Um, so basically student government gets a set budget every year of about like $65,000 or so. And we allocate that to different clubs. And so we have about, I'm not exactly sure the number. I think it's around 20 to 30 student clubs that are student government clubs that we recognize. And then they're eligible for a budget. 
And then we use our $65,000 over the course of a year. We give that out to them for their purposes. And then if there's any money that is sort of left over, like money they don't spend or money that we didn't allocate to them, we can just spend as we see fit. Uh, so that's the allocate part. And then the advocate part is student government is supposed to be representing the students in the administration and the administration to the students. And it does that by attending these shared governance committee meetings where the, the president and vice president get to sit in on meetings with uh, university administrators like Father Dave and Dr. Kempton, Mr. Schmeezing, et cetera. And we get to sort of be the voice of the students in that meeting. And we get to say, okay, this is what the students think as the president, vice president. Um, and then student government itself has the power if they desired, although they don't really do this very often, but they can pass what's called an advisory resolution. And it's basically a strongly worded statement that says, as representatives of the student body, we strongly, strongly urge the administration to act in this way. Hmm. And apparently those things carry a lot of weight, but they haven't been used in years and years. But it is a possibility. So. Yeah, so I guess advocate and allocate are the two two things I'd say. So, sounds like an amendment or something like that, it's like a the, U.S. It's amendment. The equivalent, it's the equivalent of an executive order. So. Ex- exactly. It's your so well. Well, tell me more about that. So they can what, what's it called again? The advisory resolution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the faculty committee has. I think it's called. Is it faculty committee or because the faculty have a a body that is equivalent to student government, but for faculty. Okay. And obviously I don't think they have contentious uh, elections and campaigns, um, but the faculty can do this as well. But it's basically when we, so I think it requires, uh, see, now I look bad. I don't have the bylaws in front of me. I think it requires a three quarters majority of the Senate uh, of student government, mm-hmm. but Basically, it's written up by student government and approved and sent up to the administration. And it's a strongly worded statement that says, we strongly advise you as representatives of the student body to do X. Um, I know by a that, rock climbing uh, wall, you know, for example. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, that that was um, that was just all student government itself. That was just student government money used for that. So that was just it was a student was government exciting. failure. You know, it's, it's just like student government, climbing to nowhere, you know? Just- <laughs> exactly, you know? Um, no, I'm kidding. No, but, uh, but yeah, so we, I know that things had been thrown around in previous, so I know that, uh, let's see, so two years ago, I believe, well, I guess if you count this past school year as last year, then uh, two years ago, so my sophomore year, we, in light of the whole dr lewis situation Mm -hmm. i know that one or two of the senators had proposed an advisory resolution regarding that situation where we asked the administration to take action uh obviously it never happened um Mm -hmm. but i mean so like that'll be an example like we could say as a student body we formally request and advise you to remove dr lewis as the head of the for example Mm -hmm. uh but that obviously didn't happen was not ever voted on even didn't even get to that stage but that's the kind of thing we would do i don't know if that was a good example or not. yeah that makes sense yeah man it's crazy to think about the the lewis stuff was a little over a year ago or was it longer than that ago i think long well yeah like a, a year and a half it was yeah spring of 19 yeah okay and then yeah we had father sheridan leave and new president yeah. and now we have crazy stuff 
COVID. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. It's been, it's been a fun time. Wild. It, I can't imagine if, you know, Father Sean was still the president and he would have had to oversee both both situations. And also just for Father Dave, you know, him coming in his first first year, yeah, as president. Uh, just... <laughs> I'll put you on the spot as our, our representative as well. Our for, well, not ours now that we're graduated, but... How do you think, uh, you know, Franciscans handled Corona, the whole thing from start I mean, to where we are now, I guess? Yeah. So obviously I'll start by saying I am not in the shoes of Father Dave. So I don't have all the, I don't have access to all the knowledge he has access to. However, I've been only extremely pleased with how they've handled it. I guess specifically the things I really admire and the way that Father Dave's handled it are his willingness and just his tireless efforts to make the sacraments or at least any kind of prayer open and public to students. So at the beginning, he did those Eucharistic processions around campus until he was told he couldn't do that anymore. Um, and then he, you know, live streamed, was very quick to live stream mass, uh, FOPs even, uh, adoration, et cetera. Um, and then right now, so the friars continued throughout this whole thing to have confessions available on campus for students. Wow. And then right now they've, as far as I'm aware, I, I could be wrong in this, but I think they're the first, they were the first place in the entire diocese of Steubenville to reopen Eucharistic adoration. Wow. Um, I could be wrong. So mm-hmm. like, don't quote me on that. Yeah. Yeah. But That's great. They still. definitely, they were one of the first at least. Cause they, you know, today I was able, I was blessed to be able to go to Eucharistic adoration today and confession on campus. That's awesome. Um, and that's through father Dave's efforts. Um, and then, so like, first of all, just his ability to, you know, maintain the witness of the faith and just show us that, yeah, I mean, the faith is most important. And then second of all, I just, his, uh, sort of his, his willingness to work within the laws, but also at the same time have the university's best interests in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the whole step in faith thing, which is just, I think, a, an amazing move. Uh, I'm really a big fan of it. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean. I'm definitely big fan of what Father Dave's been doing. Yeah, I, I really, yeah, I think he's doing a good job leading Franciscan. He's got a, he's very smart as well. Like you can really tell, and you can tell he really cares for the university. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, what do you, what do you think about the, yeah, the Step in Faith program uh, that they've, they're launching? Oh, bye, Kellen. Bye, Kellen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, not gonna lie, the first when I heard it, like my initial, initial reaction was like, what <laughs> they're doing? What? Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't like, yay. I was like, wait, what, what's going on? How do they have the money to do that? Um, but then once I sort of looked into it more, I, yeah, I think it's incredible. Uh, I think, so I think what it shows is that, you know, as the, as a lot of people have said, it's more important to the university that, the quality education and the faith is passed on to people, then we make money, you know, like at the end of the day, we're not in it so that we can, you know, pad the, pad the pockets of our, of our, you know, professors and alumni and staff. I mean, obviously we want to give them, you know, pay them well, but at the same time, it's like, no, what's most important is not that we have the cutting edge buildings or whatever, but it's that we can, you know, give, pass on this education to people. And that's really impressive to me. I think it's great. Um, I do, I do think like 
it's going to require, it is a step in faith. It's exactly a step in faith because it requires us to, in a certain sense, say, you know, we're going to take the risk of losing a lot of money, uh, which is definitely a big risk, but I think it's a, it's a good one. Yeah. I think it was, uh, if you look at it business-wise, this is a very smart business decision as well. I mean, it's kind of like, it's basically a 15% off sale, (laughs) right? So for the price of you're expecting, let's say, you know, if they're going to stay four years, it's seven, seven eighths. So like a 15% off sale where, you know, because they're trying to, what I'm thinking is the first thing I thought was they've lost enrollment because oh yeah it like you can definitely like because people's families are don't have the money like i think a lot of people are going to say i need to work for a year or i need to go yeah. to community college or whatever this is really going to be able to like make enrollment go up if you say well just come and try it out you know you can free trial of uh of uh this meeting will end in 10 minutes great uh sorry the zoom thing popped up um but um yeah, I thought it was really smart because, well, I thought like, okay, their enrollment must have like, they must have had a lot of people drop or at least mm-hmm. say like, I can't pay or whatever. And they said, okay, I think they did, let's yeah. definitely, if we give them this semester for new students, we'll definitely get new students, which yeah. is guaranteed. And then you can go from there. And it, you know, added bonus, it looks great, but they're right, going right. to lose some money, but they were going to lose money on enrollment as well. So I think mm-hmm. it was just like, it hit all the marks. It was a very good business decision. It's going to keep their enrollment and they're still going to get profit. And, um, and it looks great. And, and, you know, like, uh, they were one of the first, I think Francisco was one of the first to do like, you know, to be widely known as like doing this type of program. Yeah. Um, so I think father Dave or whoever came up with it, like very smart decision all around. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not a bad business decision in mm-hmm. any way. It's very smart and it looks right. great. Yeah. So. I mean, I- yeah, no, I agree completely. But yeah, were you guys also surprised or were you like I, I was I'm, yeah, I was surprised. I was like uh, smart. You know, it's smart business. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean it, it looks good and it's you know with Franciscan. Kellen, any what were your what was your initial reaction when you saw the step in faith when they first were doing it? We've talked about it a few times on the podcast. The step in faith, what exactly was that? The free tuition for uh new students. Oh yeah. Um you know, I thought it was a smart move. I mean I don't know. It's, it's tough to say, but I, I think that it was a good move on part of the university to, you know, give this opportunity to incoming uh, students. I actually just watched this video I saw on LinkedIn. It was uh, somebody posted it and it was about it was a compilation of Franciscan freshmen. They're going to be coming in and just talking about, you know, how they're grateful for the university of, of everything that they're trying to do in this in this time. Oh, wow. Not so much like super grateful that they're getting free like it wasn't anything about that but it was it was just their thoughts on franciscan really taking you know measures to ensure like the safety of our students as well as um you know just other things regarding student life i mean initially yeah i mean initially when i heard that uh franciscan when they were sending everybody home i was super irritated and i was mad i was actually very angry that that they were shutting down campus which yeah, is- i was i was as well yeah which is me, I guess, being ignorant, right? Or being it just, I wasn't, you know, acknowledging the safety, right? I was just, you know, it's my last semester as a senior and I wanted to just have so much fun in the last month. And so I was really mad and I had to drive all the way home, but. You, know, <laughs> you stayed an extra good. week, like even after they said leave, didn't you? Yeah, I totally disobeyed the rules. Just <laughs> irritate because out of just <laughs> anger and stuff. I didn't tell them that I was staying because I was so mad. Um, but 
they're probably going to find me. Who cares? <laughs> then he got but, caught um, in a blizzard going back and drove 24 <laughs> hours straight or something like that. Yeah, I drove 22 and a half hours straight because I couldn't go over either of the passes. So I had to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and all the way across to Arizona, up, up SoCal to NorCal. So <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. I was irritated. I was so irritated the entire way. I was like, why the hell is Franciscan doing this to us? Why? I'm so mad. Oh, man. Kellen this called me like, like – 18 hours in with six hours left. And he's like, I've been yeah. driving for 18 hours. I've just passed LA. And I was like, dude, why didn't you just come to San Diego and just chill out for a little while? And he's like, dude, I, I got to get home. But... I got to get home. And yeah, I was like, this guy's well, going to die on the road. He's driving a go-kart. You know, first of all. Literally, Nash, I was driving for, I got into California and that time I was driving for 17 hours straight, filled up like three times. And I was just driving and I'd, I told I was just being a stubborn Italian. I didn't want to stop. So I was just a hard head and I just kept on driving and driving until I basically got into SoCal with like 18 hours in and I still have like six hours to go. So I basically just said, screw it. I'm going to do that. I'm not spending 60 bucks to stay at a hotel. I Wait, so when you say, when you say you drove straight, like, did you pull off your car to the side of the road and take a nap or did no. you just, I kept you, going, oh my God, I did not stop. Let me tell you something. When I was driving, I saw signs that said 300 miles, 400 miles. Oh, look, another 400 miles. Oh, another 300 miles. 400 miles felt like one hour. I mean, seriously, it, I just, I drove, I left at 3.30 in the morning and I got back the next day at like 5 a.m. That's insane. <laughs> like, I don't know. So the longest I've ever driven at one time, like with me driving the whole time is eight. I think, yeah, eight. Yeah, or that's uh... seven, like seven or eight. And that like, by the end of it, you're like, man, pretty tired. <laughs> no, dude, I, I was just like, I, I was just, the whole drive was driven by like irritation. Oh. I was so irritated, but no, I mean, I, yeah, I, I realized like, okay, I mean, look, it's, it's for the betterment of the students that we're going to send them home. This Corona thing's probably going to get a lot better well, or a lot worse. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was just like, it's whatever. Just, I mean, I think, you know, yeah, I mean, the unfiltered Nash opinion is that like, I definitely, I think that there was a lot of hype surrounding this and I think it was, it's easy to like, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I myself currently am still frustrated at a lot of the hype. Oh, dang, he's gone. I wanted him to hear this. Oh, did, oh, Callum left. Okay. Okay. Um, he'll probably join back. We, we can tell him when he joins back. Yeah, well, actually, I know. I this guess... might this might be just a good time to to end the call and then rejoin. Uh, okay, yeah, 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 cool. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, we're gonna talk. Right, right when I was finishing, but yeah, basically, it's just it was a long drive back. I had to take a southern route because there was just snowstorms, and my yeah. car my car wasn't four wheel drive, or you know had I didn't have any chains or anything, so I wasn't gonna take that risk. But... No, that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. First of all, I think. Probably when, because are they 40 minute meetings? Yeah, I think probably something like that. I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. If it's 40, I think I'll, I might stay another, you know, 40 minutes and then. Have okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I was, I was just saying like the unfiltered nation opinion is like, I think the hype surrounding the virus and stuff has been, has resulted in measures that may or may not have been too drastic. I mean, so like the canceling school thing it was really unavoidable. Um, but like, I don't think your frustration was uncalled for. Like, I, I definitely think that, yeah, I, that's totally understandable, dude. I would be so upset. 
Yeah. It was my I mean, senior. Because what you're a junior, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I have one more year. What do you um? What do you uh, think of you know just Father Dave in his first year here? I mean, just what are your thoughts on him and just what he's done? Well, part of the problem. Is, so I only got half of one semester with him actually because I was in Austria last semester, but. I think he is an incredible president for a Franciscan university. I, before he was elected president. So I've worked conferences for the past five years. Was it four? four five years. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, so he would come every summer at least to one conference and give a talk, if not multiple conferences. And I was always very impressed by him as a, as a, man at the conferences and when i heard he was one of the candidates being considered i was really i was super happy i was like i think he's, he's gonna be great although i didn't really know i guess but in every every single situation and he's been in a lot of high stress high pressure situations since becoming president i just have always been blown away by his response like he he's a great leader. You know, he really has a commitment to the faith and a commitment to Jesus and a commitment to our university's mission. And he's not like a wimp, you know, like he's a, he's a super strong leader. So I really appreciate that. Like I, I remember one of the very, I, he wasn't even inaugurated yet. So it was last summer, but he, he, so he was selected as president and he was like, I don't know, president elect or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole Cardinal Supich thing went down. I don't know if you guys really followed yeah. that. I followed uh, it. But like, yeah. So like I was here on campus. Well, I mean in Steubenville and on campus because I worked it. And yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of weird stuff going down with the soupage thing. And father Dave just handled it incredibly well. I was so impressed. Uh, he, he sort of was able to pacify both sides, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, in a in a meaningful way, which I thought was awesome. And then everything I've seen from him, you know, every public speech I've heard him give or whatever, has just been amazing. His homilies are great. And then, yeah, and then this semester, the whole coronavirus thing, like, I have nothing but but great words for Father Dave. Not like I have any, not that my opinion matters, because I, I, no, I have no idea what it's like to run a university. But from what I understand, you know, he's just been amazing. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I mean, I, it's just, it's been awesome to see him just, you know, go to work, you know, this year. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's fun stuff to just see him around. That's the thing I love most about Franciscan is that you can literally just anytime just walk around and there's going to be a fryer somewhere and you can just talk to him about anything. Yeah. So true. About anything like literally anything. Yeah. I'll, them, I'll just start talking about stuff. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's, that's totally true. Yeah. Like one thing that, really impressed me is I was on the March for life this year and I was walking with somebody, you know, up by the mall. And all of a sudden I looked to my side and there's father Dave and he just walks up to us. It's like, Hey guys, what's up? And he just like strikes up a conversation and that's great. You know? So when, so when I was on student government spring of 19, um, I was a Senator and student government got to meet with the board. Like we got to sit down with the board and they asked us questions about what the students wanted in the new president of the university. Hmm. And what was so consistent among all the members of student government, including myself, is we all said, 
we want a president that's that's more personable, right? Like a president that is, you know, seems like he really cares about the students more. Mm-hmm. And they could not have picked a better guy than Father Dave. Like he is so, so personable. Yeah, so perfect. willing to just strike up that conversation with a random student in the March for Life, you know? So big fan. Awesome. Yeah, it's dope. No, have no, we, I totally uh, agree. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Gil. Have we talked about any of your plans at all? None. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to that yet. Let it rip, dude. Dude, what? Okay, Let so it what's rip. like, what's, uh, you know, one big thing that you guys are looking forward to? Like, to implement? Well, yeah, speaking of Father Dave, uh, town hall meeting with Father Dave every semester. That's our, one of our, I think that was like our number one policy every time uh, on our, on our, uh, what do you like flyers and posts and whatever. Hmm. So yeah, we, we're going to be meeting with him in the summer and also with people like Mr. Schmeezing and the other, you know, people necessary to get that done. But yeah, so we think that's would be super beneficial for a lot of reasons. Um, so as we were saying, you know, Father Dave is really personable, but at the same time, he, I don't think there's really right now, a lot of venues for students to ask him specific questions about the university and share their concerns in a more public forum. So I think that would be huge. We did in previous years, we did like a Senate hearing style meeting with uh, some of the leaders on campus and I, sorry, um, leaders in the, in the, in the administration, like Dr. Kempton, uh, Bill Gorman and, uh, who's the other one? Father Nathan at the time. And that went super well. Like all of the members of like all the students that went to that were like, that was great. And so that was, I guess, two school years ago. And so we wanted to replicate that, but, you know, especially with Father Dave, um, cause he's shown himself really willing and, and, uh, to make himself available to students. So that's one big thing. Uh, but yeah, I guess, yeah, we have, we have so many things we want to get done. It's, it's insane. We're Clem and I have started meeting and like going over our to-do list for the summer and it's pages long per person. It just says, uh, it's, it just says espresso machine, special machine, flip, espresso machine, espresso machine. <laughs> exactly. Flip. Yeah. Climbing wall. <laughs> Yeah, yeah dude, climbing wall part two, re- redo as it. A, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> as a, exactly, yeah. Um, we're going to sell the climbing wall now. Uh, <laughs> to buy the espresso one. machine. Yes. No, as a barista, getting good coffee in the cafeteria is... It's a real... That would be... I'm jealous. I'm very jealous. Yeah. Like, that would no, be a that's, plus. Do the students have to pay for the espresso that they get from the espresso machine? No. So, yeah, no matter what, the answer would be yes. No matter how Don't we slice it. Pay. <laughs> listen, listen. Sixty-five grand, and you can't free espresso. You know. Listen, listen. The <laughs> Parkhurst, you know, you got to work with them, right? Like, we can't just demand things from them. We got to, we got to sweeten the deal, you know. Um, but Happening like, we're not talking, we're not talking like Cupertino's esque prices. We're talking reduced prices. You know, it wouldn't be like you go to the calf and basically get your four dollar latte. You know. It's like, you know, you, you can spend a lot less money if, if you know, at all in your points, right, to, uh, to get that better coffee. So, oh, do you use points? You like swipe points or something like that? Well, we don't know. So we're working okay. on it, right? Okay. We're in talks. We don't know. Uh, yeah. um, Could you like exchange a meal plan, like say six fifty? That's a good and idea. Swipe and then you can get six coffees or something like that. I don't know what it is. Mm, that's a good idea. Yeah. We're going to have to consider that. 
I think it's definitely yeah, going to be just... a, a step up in Franciscan life. I mean, good coffee. Yeah. Cupertino's was always like, it was the daily, you know? You go there, you get an espresso. Oh, I always get an espresso. Yeah, he's gone again. Good riddance. <laughs> Wait. I'm not used to it yet. Uh... But but no, so I I have to say what I do. So every morning at my house, I get up and my, I make myself some pour over coffee because I, I'm not about that, you know, regular 12 cup pot. No, like, Folgers? No. Yeah, no. You're not you're not dude. a climb the mountain Folgers type of guy? No, absolutely not, dude. What? Like, miss me with that drip coffee. I'm not about that life. <laughs> nice. I'm, yeah, no. So, all I'm going to say is that my goal, my personal goal, is to make it so that next year, I am going to the cab to get my coffee. Um, That's a good goal. Because I, Yeah. I don't have the highest standards, but you know I have higher standards than whatever crimson cup. Hey. Yes, they're falling out right now. Okay, so is okay. This might be just me, but is, is the calf food okay? Let's be honest. And so somebody personally, if you disagree with me, message me because I don't get this. The calf food is not as bad to me as other people think. And I'm Italian. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty critical of food, and it's not that bad to me. Oh, you're that, half that Italian. Swiss Italian, okay, born here. here in America. I'm Italian as well. I'm Italian as well. Just throwing it out there. We are all. I'm. I'm part Italian as well. I think I'm like one. I, I, you, one I don't believe it. He looks. My mom's. Italian. My mom's last name's Olita. He, he looks, okay. Okay. He looks way more Italian than both of us. So me. My, my mom. Oh no no no, <laughs> Nish. Yeah yeah. My Nish, mom's last yeah. name is Franzanello. 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 Uh, Cyclops Saber Brown said in chat, Nash, please destroy the climbing wall. And this was all in caps. <laughs> oh, will you okay. destroy it? Will you grab the sledgehammer of justice and destroy sledgehammer of justice? What is I want unholy? I'd want money for it. I'd want money for it. You know, fair. Okay, D- destroy it, then sell it. You build it up into something better. <laughs> <laughs> sell it. Okay, is it true? Better. Does it work? Does it even work? Does the climbing wall? Yes, I think I think because every time I kind of works. N- I never saw anyone use it. I've never seen I anyone actually it. use it. Did you use it? I use it. Well, yeah, okay. it was actually nice when it was working. It was cool, but apparently, I think people got so excited and they just destroyed the thing. <laughs> <laughs> How do you destroy? It? You just climb it until it breaks, or what's they going just on? Literally destroy the yeah. thing. You could. You could. Oh, Caitlin said the same thing. Uh, We have in all caps, I second that. And then the next message, I would pay for everyone's espresso if the wall is destroyed. (laughs) Psychop Saber Brown says the track team used it and it was horrible. Unspeakably horrible. Yeah, because the track team, okay? Oh, wait, Nash, you're on the track team. You're coming in at the lowest point in student government, Nash. It can only go up, right? You know? Yeah, exactly. Everyone's opinion is based on a rock climbing wall. You can only just build. Town hall meetings, espresso machines. Or you could go right. down into death. <laughs> <laughs> you continue to take it. Uh, Nate, are you still on the track team? So track is a spring sport, and I was on the track team until it got canceled this semester. So, mm. yeah. Did they have a I meet was, in yeah. Florida, or is that cross-country? Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. So what happened is well, – wasn't well, the meet wasn't in Florida. So – a lot of the, most of the team went to Florida for spring break. And then at the end of spring break, they drove up to South Carolina and they had a, a meet at coastal Carolina, which 
I don't know if that's at Myrtle Beach or near it or something. I don't know. It's like it's near Myrtle Beach. Yeah. So yeah, they had to. They got all sent home, like in the middle of it or whatever. Yeah. So, well, wow. not quite. I think they they found out in the middle of it that they were going to be sent home once they got back. Yeah. Which. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I didn't go because I was visiting Justine's family and then they she came to visit my family. So, um, I was not on that trip, but most of the track team was. Um, nice. So, yeah. Crazy that that virus came up and it just sent everybody away, man. That, you, I remember when you first told me I I was in Miami because believe it or not, I just got off a cruise ship right when the coronavirus started. You were on a cruise ship. I was on a cruise ship and we were the last one to leave the bay and we we got in and they test us. They test us before we went on, and it turned out that three people tested positive. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, dude, you guys didn't get it, which is pretty. I'm funny. so happy you were allowed off, dude. My parents have seen people with coronavirus too, and I I wouldn't be surprised if like well I've been saying that for months now, but I don't know it's I'm kind of I feel like I'm surrounded by it. All know. right, think of yeah. this theory. Okay, I don't I haven't flushed it out. I told it to John, but I got really sick about two and a half weeks after I went to the March for Life. I had a bad cough. I had the whole like it was it was definitely the worst. If it's the flu, it's the worst flu I've had, mm-hmm. and. I, you know, who knows? It probably was not Corona, but I did go to DC two weeks after, like something went around, but I, there's no I way to tell it could have just been the flu, but my mom I also that thinks that they had it, uh, that we had it in our family in oh. late December as well, because she said like everyone in our family and we don't have anyone who's old or anything like that. Um, all had like a really, really, really bad cough and fevers and real flu-like Shoot. symptoms and whatever. This was late December. Yikes. Um, but I don't know. It's just so weird because we don't know like anything about it. But yeah, you were saying, Nish? Well, I was going to say that I know my cousins got really sick earlier in the year, but they were tested and it was just influenza B. Okay. And I know that like apparently Matt Frad got really sick or something Ooh. and his wife or whatever, but they tested negative for Corona. So. I think there's a lot of people these days are like, oh, I might have had Corona because I was really sick. It's like, no, you just had like the flu. Bro, I had it. I'm telling you, Naj. Okay. No one knows. No one knows. Okay. No one knows. No. Yeah. All right. I didn't get tested. Yeah. Our most previous guest, he he probably had coronavirus. I mean, Nick, his name, you know, Nick Mersh. Do you know Nick Mersh? He's on the basketball team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nick said he was just having tightness in his chest. His sinuses were just through the roof. (laughs) I mean, like. Yikes. his body was just wrecked. Bro, I got the Rona. And so, no. I don't know. Yeah, so I got off a cruise ship <laughs> and Alex was like, Alex says, dude, I already left for home. They haven't even, because look, I didn't think about it, but Alex was just saying, dude, this thing's only going to get worse. And yeah. then thousands of people started dying. New York got completely destroyed, worse mm-hmm. than any place I've ever seen in that area. Yeah. And, and Alex just, <laughs> he left up, or he left just went straight home and just like without us you know without um you know them saying that it's actually over but yeah i flew back up there and it was weird it's just steubenville was just like a ghost town man francisco i didn't yeah. see anybody around i was like where the heck is everybody crazy by the way nation i share your same sentiment with um like now we can see it now definitely overblown but as we're saying like at the time because we'd never really had something like that obviously everyone was like let's be first to um 
you know, make sure everything's safe and whatever else. But like, well, um, one thing I will say is that I really hope this brings awareness to the fact that I think a lot of places aren't meeting the safety measures that they should be meeting anyway. Like for example, so in the whole coronavirus situation, I wasn't able to work down at Leonardo's at the coffee shop because they didn't need help and their hours are getting cut and I didn't have my campus job. So I'm like, oh man, I need to work another job. So I applied to be a delivery driver at Domino's, which I got. (laughs) And what's crazy is for the first time, so with the coronavirus thing for the beginning, they're now requiring the all workers in the store to wear masks and gloves. But in my opinion, now maybe I'm too germaphobic, but in my opinion, I don't want anybody making my pizza unless you're wearing a mask and gloves. Like, forget about coronavirus. Like, we're talking about these random people off the street without gloves touching my pizza. Like, no, I don't want that. So, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm too much of a germaphobe. But I think that, in my opinion, people that are working in food service should be wearing gloves and masks at all time, pandemic or no. So I'm hoping that, at minimum, this is showing people like, oh, maybe as a society, we have to be a little bit more clean in how we deal with things. Um, but yeah, I think all the shutdowns and the stimul- stimulus packages, that might that, that was a little overwhelmed, but yeah. Okay, yeah. How about the stimulus packages? Let's definitely talk about that. Okay, so J-PAL, right? And uh, the Fed, obviously giving out tons of money. And then- yeah. um, the two trillion dollar stimulus bill, and now they're thinking about the three trillion. Yeah, um, yeah. Just thoughts, I guess. Well, yeah. I I just really I don't think that's a great idea. Um, I think it's really good to help people in need, but you should balance that with a an eye to the long term, I guess, and sort of see like, okay, well. Right now, we have a lot of people that are unemployed, but what's going to happen to the economy if we hand out trillions of dollars in aid? And then you get to the situation where like, so my grandpa is a dentist in New York and he's looking to get back to work pretty soon because, you know, that's his livelihood is his dentist practice. Mm. And his employees, his hygienists and his receptionists, are actually getting paid more money to sit at home and do nothing with the stimulus checks than they are uh, working for him wow. uh, part time, you know, because he, you know, he wouldn't be able to open fully. But yeah, so it's like, you know, there's a way to help people, and then there's a way to ruin the economy. <laughs> and I don't know if this was the best way to go about it. And also, just if you think about it, right? Um, if you're giving these big stimulus checks to people right now who are unemployed, um, where are they going to be spending this money? Right. Well, they're going to be spending it at like a Walmart or at Amazon or at Starbucks, right. Not at your local small, you know, family owned businesses. Mm -hmm. So this also the whole, the way they're going about the stimulus, it seems like the best way to ruin millions of small business owners (laughs) across America as well. Right. So those are my initial thoughts. I don't know. I mean, I'm open to being wrong about this, but I just, it seems like a horrible idea to me. By the way, Twitch viewers, we are taking questions in chat. So if you have questions for Nash or general thoughts on, yeah, we're talking the economic part of the Rona and how the U.S. has kind of responded. Um, we, oh, go ahead, Kellen. I have, okay, so 
I've been asked, okay, so I don't really know how to say this, but I've asked, you know, multiple people, has the media in the United States, you know, overblown the coronavirus? And I've talked to a lot of people. Okay, first of all, before I go any further, what do you are what are your guys' thoughts on the media and the coronavirus? Do you think that they overdid it, they overblew it? I think so, yeah. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, hype sells. Okay. Well, I go, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say real fast, I heard so my mom likes to listen to NPR, National Public Radio. And uh they have been every day. Like she like turns it on in the kitchen. Um, every day for you know months now, they run stories like, you know, here's a list of all the people who, you know, have lost close loved ones to the coronavirus. Or like, here's why the coronavirus could be worse than we thought. Or like, <laughs> here's why we're gonna have a second wave that's gonna be worse than this. Or like, here's why the only reason, or like the only reason why things aren't as bad as initially predicted is because of this strict shutdown and we need to continue it. You know, it's basically like, you know, people like NPR, CNN, even Fox to a certain degree, like they, as Alex said, you know, hype sells. They're all about making people scared and telling people things are worse than they actually are. And it's a That's zero, it's a zero sum game if you're going to play the, it's less hype because not only are you people not going to listen to you because they want it, but also you're going to have the possibility of being wrong and then getting like totally lambasted by everybody else right so it's it's a yeah, mix of yeah. moral moral high ground and um money that the it's really really bad side has so like all the information is going that way because then you could say well if if you know you're wrong about the hype we could just say well i was just concerned about safety and all that stuff when you really are just mm -hmm. concerned about selling more news and news consumption and so like it's a it's a very easy decision for a lot of these like if you're going to lean on one side, you're going to lean on the Corona's the end of the world side of the equation. And here's yeah. all the people who have died. And here's why you're going to die. And here's why everyone you love is going to die and stay inside. And then if you're, you know, deep state, big government type people too, which is most of the media, then you want the government to basically be taking over everything and being very socialist and giving money out. And so, I mean, it's like the perfect storm in a lot of ways, you know? Um, yeah. We can't Con, what, what are your thoughts though? So, I asked, okay, so this might just be because my, you know, it's my parents' profession, but because they, and obviously they take this very seriously and like right, right. Going to their work day, they have, they have a mask that it's like an N95 or I don't, I don't know what it's called. There's one that literally covers their entire face. And I asked them, do you think that the United States has overblown the coronavirus and things? And they said, no, not at all. And so I was like, okay, I don't really know because, you know, I, I asked them and they said they don't think it at all. I think though, because the answer to that is their profession and how, because what they're doing, their work is they're seeing people with that are very sick and things like that. So everybody else says that they think that they, you know, the media did overblow it, but my parents, I think that they're saying no because of what they're actually like doing. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't know. I, I, I don't really know. Well, here's I'm, I'm hearing both sides. So I personally, this is, I, so I, I think that the coronavirus situation is being treated. And I think the exact same way that climate change is being treated. So I don't know what you guys think about that. So I'm, I'm somebody who's very inclined to not be skeptical about climate change in a, in a 
certain degree. Like, I think that there's a lot of truth to what a lot of people are saying. However, I think that whatever is true of what scientists are saying is completely drowned out by the end of the world. People who say, oh, no, you know, the earth is getting warm and, you know, the ice caps are going to melt and everyone's going to drown and die and the polar bears are going to go extinct. And we have to pour billions of government money into green energy and make all these, you know, people lose their jobs, et cetera. Like whatever good is being said is just being completely eclipsed by the media overblowing climate. And I, I think that there's an analogous situation with coronavirus. Like whatever is good that's being said about the coronavirus is completely eclipsed by people saying we can't reopen schools until 2021. Right. Like, or, or, or when people say things like, um, like it's what America should have done is we should have had a situation like, you know, some European countries where you can't leave the house, like only one family member can leave the house for a month to get supplies. Everyone else has to stay inside their house. You know, like, I'm not saying that the coronavirus doesn't exist. Like it's not a big problem and people aren't dying. Like people are dying for sure. But like, there's a difference between saying people are dying and it's the end of the world and we have to follow all these drastic measures. I don't know. By the way, so like, viewers, saying- drop some, uh, drop anything you want in, in chat. We are watching chat, but we're talking, talking the Rona as we are. Yeah. Uh, go mean, ahead. No, I just, I mean, I, I agree. And I, I don't know. It's just, I wonder if my parents, you know, if they were some sort of, you know, business people, you know, they did some other job entrepreneurs. I mean, if they would see it differently, but I think just because it's the, the amount of um, seriousness and the, and the amount of people that are dying, you know, there's been a lot of people that have died. um, And there's a lot of people that are sick too. Um, And so I I just think that. He's going to leave. Yes. No. Get out of here, no. Gun. He's he's gotten corona. We have to quarantine him. He's gone. No, that sucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't okay. know. I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely tough. You know, it's not. This is one of the hardest situations to have a, a bite sized opinion on. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, like of all of all the issues, is like it, it's very difficult to just say like, oh yeah, like this is my little take, and uh, you know. I know everything because I'm, you know, whoever in my parents' basement um, following the news or whatever. Mm. Yeah. So like, I don't know my, in a certain sense, my take doesn't really matter because I have actually no idea what I'm saying, but that's, I I think that's with all of us. It's like the data, I think for literally everyone, even all the way up to the government officials and the doctors and whoever's making the information, the, uh, the decisions, it's like, we're using very limited data. Like we we're getting the data as it's coming and people are making decisions and, um, you can argue how they handled the data, but uh, like Kellen, um, when I was saying like the media may be overblown, um, I still think, you know, I still agree with, you know, some of the measures that obviously the government did. I disagree with a good number of them as well. Um, I think the reopening obviously is, we, we talked about it before on the podcast, Kellen, like once you start taking away the freedoms, it's really hard to give them back and, and to justify yeah. it, you know, because you say everyone stay at home. And now the big thing is, you know, how much do we allow to reopen? And if we're talking about an economic recovery that comes from slowly allowing stuff to open up again, we're just going to see more and more economic travesty associated with it because you can't just make demand appear out of nowhere. And likewise, if people don't have any cash to spend and they're already out, like there's not going to be demand. And then, you know, if it's not a grand real quick opening, um, anyways, yeah, it's, 
So yeah, when I was saying yeah. the media overblew it, I'm not saying like necessarily everything the government did to shut shut it down was overblown. I mean, but right, still. Yeah. And then again, though, you look at, um, you know, you look at Georgia, whatever they did, and they let like a couple of weeks ago, they opened up a lot of stuff and like 200 people died or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, do you hear about that? Mm-hmm. It was like a month ago, I think. No. But Georgia, they opened up and just. 200 people just died like within yeah instantly so it's not a good thing but i don't know <laughs> i don't know how to wage this economic and safety factor i don't know we don't yeah want to, but the thing is the more hardship but then again we don't want to just all of a sudden start getting destroyed right no that's true yeah those are fair points yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess so. Nash, how will you handle yeah. the Rona now that you are the uh, president of the student government here at Franciscan University? How will you handle the Rona? Let's say it, it well, comes raging back in Franciscan University. <laughs> Rona, that's a one thing I was seriously. I, well, yeah, we, we abbreviate and shorten Rona. literally everything. So, anyways, Mr. President, one thing I was really, really strongly considering doing during the campaign was saying. If I get elected, I will announce, I will declare Franciscan a coronavirus-free campus. <laughs> um, but again, you know, you don't want to make promises you can't keep. So I decided to not say that. However, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so one thing I, I guess this is in opposition to what Kellen is saying. One thing I would do if, so like if, you know, fall comes around and there's like a second wave or whatever. And if Father Dave decides to say, oh, I wonder what the president of student government has to say about this, he probably won't. But if he did, I would say, you know, I would really strongly encourage things to not, for them to not send everybody back home. You know, mm. uh, I think people, students and professors should be given the option of whether or not they want to leave or stay. Uh, like I, back before we, you know, people knew the whole severity of it. I was thinking, you know, why are you sending everybody back? Just give people the option they want. Hmm. Obviously that didn't work out, but I think in the fall, you know, if you were to sort of structure things saying like, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to tell the professors prepare online material for all your classes. And then if it hits again, you can say, well, okay, all the older professors stay home, you know, all the students, you have an option. You can either go online and use the online materials that the professors have prepared, or you can um, stay in class and, you know, be fine. Because like, you know, I, I think that, you know, Kellen, you were saying like, okay, well, you know, people are dying with things reopening. Well, at the same time, it's like, you, you can't just shut everything down because people are dying because people will always die of everything, <laughs> you know? So that's what I would push for. Now, at the end of the day, I don't think what I, my you know opinion is going to be taken very seriously, but at least that's what I would tell Father Dave if he asked for it. So. Yep. By the way, guys, we got seven minutes on this Zoom call. Make sure you still, by the way, you're welcome to stay as long as you like, but are you planning on going at, at the end of seven? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Perfect. All right. So yeah, maybe any more thoughts on Rona or we could go back to, we could go back to student around. government. This house believes. This house believes. By the way, okay, how are you yeah. planning on renewing yeah, intellectual culture? 
How are we going to do Veritas? How are we going to do Veritas? By the way, I'll be back next semester. I'm going to be coming back by the entire year. So I'll be back in Steubenville for maybe even a couple years. I don't know. So I'll be there. Oh, wow. Like as a student or doing work? Just doing work there, probably for the sports teams. (laughs) Well, for the sports teams, they open up sports. I don't want to do it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, so as far as we're doing intellectual culture goes, um, one thing that I've always wanted to push for just privately as a, on, you know, personal level is better academic lecture series. Like they do those so poorly right now. Um, you, you guys know what I'm talking about when I say the academic, like, do you even know what those are? <laughs> Dr. Okay. Dr. Simonson, don't watch this. Don't watch this. <laughs> we didn't say yeah, anything. Sorry. No, sorry, go sorry. ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, by I'm the way, it. by the way, we partnered with the academic lecture series. All right. And we did the best <laughs> academic lecture series with Peter Crave. Better than listen, any other one. Listen, okay, go listen. Ahead, go ahead. I, I'm saying that because I want them to succeed, not because I don't like them. I think that we've had some really great speakers come in, and nobody have any idea that they're even there, and show up. So, like, I would want to see if there's a way we could, you know, get food there. Like, honestly, food would go a huge way. Students food show up with everybody. Food. College students um, have to eat. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe don't do it Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. when nobody wants to go. Like, who the heck wants to go to an academic? Like, when you've sat through an entire yeah. week of professors talking to you, the last thing you want to do is sit for another hour or two in the gallery listening to more people talking on a Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, so anyway, that we want to I mean, Veritas, that's a question for my vice president. You know, like, I don't know. You guys are going to have to find a new president. I'll tell you that much. Um, well, but, well, no, you don't. Clem, Clem can be the president, right? He's still president. I don't know. That's. I think that's what we call a conflict of interest. In, oh, come on. Those bro. are the best types, dude. <laughs> those are the best types of politicians. That's the only the politician types that of exists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can put, uh, let's see. Oh, you can make me president. I don't mind. I don't. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. The, the Kellen has Hey, money. talk to Clem. Yeah. Uh, we will definitely not be padding the pockets of Veritas people and giving so, them a special preference. So we have, we have a, a good comment in, in chat from Catalog1009. Uh, they say, I doubt we're going back to go back on campus next semester. Too many immune compromised people and potential lawsuits. And then the, the next thing they just typed was never give Kellen power. That's a fair thing to say as well. Um, it is yeah, a possibility so- we don't go back to, or not we, well, it's not, it's, Definite for me, I'm not, but for you guys, <laughs> going back to school. I semester. don't anticipate that happening because, so first of all, Christendom announced, I think it was today or maybe yesterday, that they are for sure going to have school in person in the fall. Hmm. So at least they're going to do that. Cool. Then I've also heard Father Dave apparently has, I this is more by word of mouth I've heard this, but he has said that we're committed if at all possible to not to like to avoiding not coming back. Um, so like, I think, I don't know. I hope I think it'd be in person. I think it's unlikely. Yeah. That it, it's not in person. Well, I'm, I'm not president. You know what? <laughs> I'm not president. Sorry. I died right there when I said I wanted to be president of the Veritas. Yeah, then, exactly. Yeah. Well, we, we, we cut you off. We, we, we forced you to leave. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, look, it really does seem like everything's up for grabs. I mean, it's it's anybody's guess as to what what ends up happening and, you know, how people end up handling it. And, you know, maybe the Ohio governor's like, let's say there's an outbreak in early August or something like that, or even in September. And the Ohio governor 
is like I don't want anyone in in person. You know, there there, yeah, there are things that are like that outside person. you know Franciscan control. Obviously, Franciscan like stepped in before the Ohio governor did. But um, any, anybody's guess with literally anything, it seems like. I um, think I think a couple universities actually, or we were kind of one of the last ones, right, to keep students on campus. Like I think we went so. Yeah. A little bit, and then a lot of campuses just sent students. It was like away. instantly, like everyone yeah. just across the board went. Just all yeah, we waited like, and I waited like two weeks there. I don't know. Um, but yeah. Yeah. All right, so we got about exactly two minutes. So. Closing statement. Closing statement from Mr. President. <laughs> there, if if you had to to say one thing to you know the thousands of Franciscan students out there who are roughing it, watching, who are watching, watching roughing it out in their their homes, not able to be a Franciscan, you know, crying themselves to sleep every night because they're not right. Right. A Franciscan. They're not on campus on May fourteenth. That's right. What would you say to those uh, those Franciscan students? The floor is yours, Mr. Just President. next year is going to be great. Next year is going to be the best year ever. Um, in the words of Dave Fatula, who's the coordinator of events at Franciscan, it's going to be our best year yet. I don't know. I'm actually super excited though. Next year's going to be great. We're going to get a lot of stuff done. Um, yeah, you know, just enjoy the summer, get tan. Um, I don't know, surf, whatever you're doing. Southern get California. tan, baby. Get tan. I yeah. burn, yes. dude. You're, you're white as heck, dude. I burn, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, with that. Mr. Athanasius, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was a blast having you on. I'm super excited yeah, for thanks, you. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Absolutely. Congratulations on, uh, on Congrats, getting brother. engaged. Yeah, That's thank amazing. you. Yes. That's absolutely amazing. So, hey, you got to Yeah, post- no, thank you so much for inviting me, guys. Yeah. Hey, post pleasure. on Facebook your engagement stuff, dude. Make sure you post on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, we did make it Facebook official recently, so. Yes. Okay. It's what you got to do. It's, is it even real if it's not on Facebook? So. No. Nope. True. <laughs> Truth. Yeah, but thanks so much, guys. I really appreciated the, the thanks, invite. Buddy. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right, dude. God bless. Hey, Peace. Peace. <laughs> yep. See you guys later. Well, Alex, Amazing. That, that was uh, another that's great our president, bro. That's our that president. That is our president. Franciscan, make Franciscan great again. That's their motto. Make right? Franciscan great again. Their slogan. Uh, catalog 1009 says, Love you, Kellen. Not my president. I did not vote for you. Congrats, though. Oh. <laughs> All right. Hey, Kellen, uh, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Kellen, I'm going to send you another Zoom link. We are going to be talking some UFC, boy. Let's go. Let's go, dude. Oh, my gosh. All right. Taking a quick break. We'll be right back. Dude, we are back. Holy smokes. UFC 249. Ferguson versus Gaethje. Went the distance. Okay. No, it didn't go to the distance. Okay. It went to the fifth round okay. knockout. Before, before we go oh any further, I have to say this. Before we go any further, I'm sorry, guys, but if you're if you're a fighting fan like me, I'm a huge fighting fan. But the entire, I just, I if Gaethje see Gaethje won, and I was, I don't know what to say. I don't know if I was hoping for that. If I wanted that. But now what happened? Now what happens is Tony Ferguson was supposed to fight Habib Nurmagomedov five times. Okay, five times they were supposed to fight. Gaethje comes in and just wrecks Ferguson, and now that is possibly over, all over. Gaethje went in there, and I'm telling you, I I, I was feeling it once he got through the third round, and he was start, you know, in the fourth round, 
the entire time he was just throwing bombs. I mean, he was throwing bombs beyond bombs and he was so accurate. He was hitting Ferguson just each time hitting him and just throwing some serious high level punches. Just an unbelievable fight. He, he literally, he hospitalized Ferguson after and yeah. Oh no. (laughs) Ferguson went straight to the hospital. Gaethje he needed to, dude. He needed to. Gaethje made a hundred thousand dollars in bonuses that fight. Hundred. <laughs> All right, for for our viewers out there who are out of the loop. Okay, UFC. What is UFC? It's the MMA Ultimate Fighting Championship. Uh, this was the UFC 249. It's been scheduled for a while. It was going to be Tony Ferguson versus Habib with his Nurmagomedov, <laughs> who's a Russian. And uh, Ferguson's from U.S., right? And um, it it has been a fight that's been planned and canceled now five different times. And the tension has been building each time. It's gotten very serious with press conferences, media days, everything. So they were supposed to have the fight, and it was going to be it was going to be late April. It was going to be April twentieth. Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And oh, then, of course, because of Corona, the whole thing got canceled. So Khabib goes back to Russia. They're supposed to reschedule it, and Khabib can't leave Russia because they've shut down all the flights. So Khabib's out. Dana White, the commissioner for the UFC, says, we are having a fight. We're going to have one. We have to. We have to open up. We have to do this. So he scheduled one for, uh, this was last Saturday, for May 9th, May 8th. Yep. Is that right? And scheduled Gaethje, Justin Gaethje, uh, versus Tony Ferguson. And, and, and tell me about Gaethje, because I haven't really heard too much about him. He's been up and coming for a while, though, right? Yeah. So Justin Gaethje is, uh, his nickname is, you know, the highlight. So Justin, the highlight Gaethje. He's been a guy that's been around the lightweight division. He's been one of those guys that's kind of hung around, has had some big fights, but hasn't had the big one of his life like he just had. He's been around and he's lost to two of the best guys, Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez. And both of those times, he just got complacent and he lost. And see, he said literally in the post-fight uh, interview, he said, I just was having too much fun. So he lost those two fights and he got complacent. He's 22-2 and two now as an overall record, I believe. And he's been just one of those guys that's been hanging around. And he, you know, he's beaten Michael Johnson. Uh, he beat Donald Cerrone. Um, who else? He beat some other guys and he stuck around and he basically, he, I think what happened was he gave Dana White a call and he said, Dana, look, I'm ready to go, man. Uh, just put me in there. I know he just said, put me in right now. I'll, I'll take this fight. Tony Ferguson had been, uh, training for this since like November, this fight. Dang. Justin Gaethje gets the call, gets the go five weeks in advance five weeks, a month and a week. And he goes in there and he just obliterates Tony. I mean, I've never seen a fight where a guy threw so many heavy hits and they were so accurate. I mean, he was just nailing him every time, body shots, elbows, knees, kicks, straight rights to the face. I mean, it's just- Dude, before we get into the actual fight though, like the circumstances surrounding five weeks, think about that. Like five weeks, five weeks of training. Okay, now we, we have to say something though. Ferguson had been training for Khabib, right? Mm-hmm. And Khabib is not as much of a striker as he is a grappler and gets you on the ground yes. and su- yes. su- uh, for submissions. So known for his Ferguson, yes, Ferguson had been preparing for Khabib since November. 
Gage, he's just been, you know, doing regular training, whatever, doing his striking, what he does. And so, you know, that five weeks is there. Ferguson knows he's fighting Gaethje. Gaethje knows he's fighting them. So it's five weeks to train for each other. And I think we should really take that into account. Although Ferguson had been, you know, able to train since November, he was training for a different opponent. And so, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I don't know all the MMA stuff, but, like, training for a different opponent's got to be, it's got to be a big deal. It can't just be, like... and there's another huge factor here that we haven't said. Tony Ferguson cut weight twice in that month. And so what that means is, is that he basically in, I guess, fighter science, they call it, is basically he heard that, I think this is what happened. He heard that Khabib wasn't going to be able to make the fight. So he ballooned back up to his regular weight. He was ready at like 155. Hmm. So what I think what I think what happened was he's, he, there wasn't going to be a fight. Or, right. At least that's what happened. And so he, I think what happened is he ballooned back up and weight back to like 175 or whatever, even more. And then he gets the, now he hears that Justin Gaethje is going to step in. So now he has to go all the way back down again. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's this wild. Is what happens. This is what happens is basically they'll put them in a sauna for 20 or for how many hours and they'll just drop water weight just like that. They'll go all the way down and they'll just lose weight like that. For a fighter to cut weight, to cutting weight once is a struggle for fighters, professional fighters. Cutting weight twice is like unheard of. He literally went all the way back down. And Dana White said he just didn't look as fast as he usually does. He didn't look as aggressive. And he still went to the fifth round with like one minute left. And um, he was not as fast. Like you could tell he was just a step behind Gagey. Yeah. In everything. he kept coming, like yep. he kept, you know, hanging in there. But I just, I'm telling you, man, the cutting weight psychology in fighting is just unreal. I mean, it is so hard to cut weight. To, I mean, if I really, yeah, I think it's if it would have been normal circumstances, I think the Khabib Ferguson fight would have been one of the most legendary fights. Oh, like definitely probably the most amazing lightweight fight in history for sure. Gagey was ready to go. In every he respect, was, he was so ready. He was so ready. Imagine? He'd been preparing. He knew exactly what his game plan one was. He came in and executed. He was at weight, whatever he wanted. He knew exactly what he wanted. He went and performed. Ferguson was training for somebody else, got, you know, Gaethje, and then had to completely change his game plan and then lose all this weight all of a sudden. And, uh, yeah, it was just a whole different ball game for uh for ferguson to have to deal with and that doesn't take away from what gaethje did like the fact that gaethje could come in there and just wreck like he did um yeah quite amazing so the circumstances surrounding it that was the ferguson the khabib part um and then they were going to reschedule and they rescheduled for may uh and they held it in jacksonville florida um kellen's wi-fi is jinking out for a second so sorry about that but anyways they held it in jacksonville and um in an empty there we go in a empty arena completely empty they only had uh let me see if he's gonna hop in anyways yeah completely empty i was just saying the the circumstances surrounding it like they held it in an empty arena everyone there got tested for corona they all had like you know their mask on. Joe Rogan, the two other announcers were like just a little bit. Da- uh, Cormier, Cormier was there, dude, Daniel crazy. And, uh, I forget the other guy's name is. He's been there for forever. Yeah. Um, 
and 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 you know it's interesting um by the way i apologize guys for my wi-fi i'm sorry it's just it's it's crap. I'll try to get in another spot next time. That it's no, 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 you're but, good. You're good. You're good. But um, yeah, so completely empty stadium in yep. Jacksonville, Florida. They had the octagon there, like really quiet. You know, yep. it was a completely oh. different experience. The walk-ins, can, there was nothing like. And the pay-per-view buys went up insane. I mean. Oh, they, did, they, they did. They yeah. Got, they got, there was like some 740,000 pay-per-view buys. I don't know, something like that. Maybe it could be more. But, um, and I was just. It's just unreal. Like when you have an empty arena, and this will probably never happen again after this, it you can understand how raw it is. It dude. is just pure raw, dude. Two forty nine reportedly drew over seven hundred thousand buys on ESPN yeah. Plus. Seven hundred thousand. And um, and at, is it a, is it a hundred dollar card? Uh, it was like eight seventy bucks or something. Seventy yeah, times sure. seven hundred thousand. That's seventy million. <laughs> so <laughs> i mean <laughs> Whoa, what a pay-per-view and you're not even talking uh, about the ads and all that other stuff for for literally you know a group of the best fighters in ufc fighting in an absolutely empty arena um it was quite i mean i'm gonna remember this for a long time because it's such a it's the first sporting event we've had since all this madness has gone down you know and they it was a success it was a great success it was a it fantastic was a fight success. and people are wondering now okay so Dana was like, we're going to keep this open. And the interesting thing about the UFC is that it's not a team sport. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. there's not multiple guys in the octagon. There's not like five on five in an octagon. You know, it's one guy against one guy and they have separate trainers and stuff. But the, the measures that they took were very interesting. So they had their broadcasters were on like five or six feet, of, feet apart from each other. Um, Everybody that was like analyzing around the octagon, you know, while the fight was going, like measuring number of strikes, takedowns, all things like that, they were all spread out. Um, and, you know, they obviously do a post fight interview in the octagon. And Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, and one of them said, uh, hey, like a guy went to shake his hand and he's like, I don't care. You can shake my hand. But um, <laughs> it, it was, uh, what was that funny thing that he said? Oh yeah, and he, you know, like after after they he does the interview, he says, you know, and uh, Jimmy, this guy, to no one in the audience. <laughs> this is such a Joe moment, and then like all the announcers were like bursting laughing and stuff, and you know, it was really cool. Like after uh, Joe was saying that him and because him and Cormier were obviously like saying stuff the whole time about like he needs to make this adjustment, he's do this thing, like you know. They were literally the the fighters because they could hear them because there wasn't an audience. You know, they're sitting there announcing the, the the fight. They were making adjustments based on what Joe and what Cormier were saying in you know announcing. And mm-hmm. Cormier was like, "They're getting free coaching. They're they're getting my encyclopedic <laughs> UFC brain. You I'm literally changing it. the fight by standing I'm, next to them and coaching them." Daniel Cormier is the double champion. He's had two belts before, and um. And I'm telling you, man. It, I mean, they know the fighting, dude. Just, he's like, dude, I gotta shut up. I'm, I'm gonna. I yeah. might let this. The outcome of this fight might change. <laughs> might change but, because um, Cormier said, you know, make this adjustment or whatever. Yeah, it, it wild, wild in that regard. I mean, there's just so many things that are just wild, right? Like the walkups. They're walking out. No one's yeah, there. There's nobody there, and it, it's just, oh, dude, it's so weird. Just thinking, you know, like I said about the fight, you can hear those guys hitting each other seriously. Yep. Like you can, you can hear them, their shots hitting their body, the knees, the elbows, the kicks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was brutal. I mean, 
having nobody there, it's such a weird, weird thing. This coronavirus hasn't happened in something like this in a hundred years. It's such a weird thing that an entire arena was empty. There was nobody there except yeah. for you know workers yeah. and things like that. And the atmosphere was just insane. I mean, it was just like, you don't, there's no overall atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, it was just pure fighting. It's just and pure it, fighting. In that regard, like it's very interesting because you don't get, you know, you would never have an occasion like that, but like, you know, it really makes you think how does having a entirely full crowd that's like yelling and screaming and, you know, is mostly drunk and is like, like all that type of just noise surrounding the fighters starting chants like how does that mess with a fighter when they're fighting and take their mind off of what they're doing because like i mean we know this like if if we're you know we're doing this like right now there's six viewers on a twitch channel if there was sixty thousand right now i mean we couldn't we couldn't really even see them but like if our twitch chat was like exploding and everything else like i don't know i'd be pretty i don't know i probably wouldn't even be nervous i'd be like whatever but like if it was physically 60,000 people watching us talk with each other, we'd want to play to the crowd and the crowd would like influence us and whatever. Like yeah. when they're the fighting, they got to be thinking like they hear stuff in the crowd and they're hearing because every hundreds of the thousands adrenaline. of people are looking at them and watching them and yelling and like the adrenaline. The adrenaline. And, the yeah. adrenaline. I mean, it's still there. They still want to kill each other, but it's weird not having the hype from the crowd there. It's just a really weird, weird thing. Right. It's just it's crazy that fighting that and people whole, at home talking about it. And then, you know, the co-main event, Henry Cejudo says he's going to retire now, but I yeah, think he said the, in like the press conference, if the money's there, I'll come back. So, you know how that's all. That what, what type of, you know, what, that, they're, they're all money. What a retirement, you know? Yeah, I know. It's, it's so true. But Cejudo like retires. That, that, that stoppage was, was interesting. Yeah. So there was two stoppages. Was uh, the co-main and the main were both stopped. Um, yeah. And the co-main Cejudo, I mean, it was a leg kick, right? Wasn't it a leg kick that got him down? It was a, I think he got kneed in the face. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He got kneed in the face, stumbled back. Who was he fighting? He was fighting Dominic Cruz, who was the previous Dominic Cruz. for a long time. That's right. So Cruz went down. He was on his – he was uh, had his back up, and he was getting slammed. And then he was just starting to just move. Just starting to get up. Just, just starting, starting to get up. Get up. And then the – the, yeah, the ref called it. At the time, I was like, okay, fair stoppage. I mean, I understand. It's kind of hard to tell. You almost, like, if it was another three seconds, um, he probably would have gotten back up on his feet. And then we would have oh, seen from there. I think there. he would have. I yeah. think he would have been fine. I would, it's, look, it's a title fight. If you're that guy, you let it go a little bit further. Yeah. Is I the, the co-main's five fight. as well, right? Is the co-main five or is yeah, it three? Five it's five. Okay, right. yeah. I could see, look, if it's a title fight, man, let it go. Just see what happens. What's wrong with that? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And the refs, oh, they screwed up the Masvidal-Diaz fight. That one, the ref, the that, was the, that was the doctor. That was the doctor that screwed up. Or the that doctor, up, but, yeah. whatever, yeah. We got a question but, from Catalog1009. Speaking of the crowd, what do you think about how sports leagues are going to adjust to this pandemic? It's a good question. A good question. So basically, the UFC has taken measures. They're like the first one that's gone out and says, we're going to keep doing this. But um, no, I think sports are going to stay the same. It's it's not really going to change. Um, but they're just going to wait. Like a lot of organizations are. Well, they basically delayed their seasons because a lot of it's already come and gone. Um, but basically, what they're doing, like in baseball, I think they're delaying spring training. 
uh, or they might be doing it now. I'm not sure, but I think initially that's what happened, Mm -hmm. but they're just like delaying stuff, hopefully until it all comes back, which is weird though, because if they're going to do the whole season, then it's going to take longer and go into different months than usually that sport wouldn't be in. So uh, either that, they might just cut it short or wait an entire year until it hits its regular cycle. What do you think? I mean, we, well, the one thing they did do with the UFC is they tested everyone who was going to be involved in the event. I think we're going to see that with whatever sporting event we end up having. I think they're going to end up testing everyone beforehand, right? It's really interesting with the UFC that they got, they were like the first to come back because it, it seems like theirs is is much more much more ready to handle this in, in the sense more, of it's a lot there's not as many people yeah. to test. It's not a team sport. It's, you know... The fighters, so there was a fighter, um, what was his name? He did have corona, and part of his team did. So they, uh, Yeah, Jacare Souza. Yeah, Souza did. So they tested him, they said you can't fight, and you go on. Everyone who was in that arena in that small area did not have coronavirus, and they tested all of them. So the difficulty is, are you going to test your entire football team? You know, Are you going to test all the coaches and the yeah. staff and the, the people who are supporting well, them and the refs the and the... Like, look, UFC can do that because they're so small and they only have a number of people. Yeah. But like, what what does this look like for team sports? Because well, if for, like, will an NBA player yeah. want to join? You know, if they if there's the possibility of one of their teammates or another one of the even if they were playing in an empty arena, one of the staff, one of the refs, one of the whatever having Corona and they come down with it, you know, that's that's a difficult decision for. You know, we could be seeing like like B League type NBA come back or something like you know like all the regular players are like on protest or yeah. whatever, basically because they yeah. don't want to play. And then the like all the crap. Comes ones. Up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like the players, you know? Um, well, anyways. you know, one thing is the, my biggest thing is America needs to stop whining that we don't have sports. Okay. America what? can wait. America, I, I can't okay. wait. Kellen, are look, you kidding me? Look, can't that's wait the thing, for right? Sports? Stop it. The problem with America is that we have no temperance or prudence. <laughs> I mean, you're, we you're do, talking but... directly to me, Kellen. You're talking directly to me. I want sports <laughs> look, back. All right. Chill out. Look, Americans can wait five or six months without sports. Five or six months? If you can't wait that long, look, just I barely survived a month. Look, the problem is Americans need to stop whining that we don't have any sports. Okay. I'm actually being serious. Like Americans can wait on this kind of stuff. I mean, come on, guys. Give me a break. Just do your regular thing, go around your life. You won't see sports on TV for six months. Who gives a crap? My people need to stop whining. My life is ended, Kellen. I, this is, I know, it, yeah. look it hurts right it hurts but it's look we don't want leagues to get their players sick by doing this stuff prematurely Do we, we don't want guys look a guy a football team their guys are spread out along the sideline but really are they spread out no they're like right next to each other i mean have you seen like all these players and mlb players are in a dugout dugout's not that big where are they going to put them in the stands? <laughs> they're going to put the baseball players in the stands spread out. No, they're not going to do that. What about hockey? They're on the bench. They're right, literally right yeah. next to each other, pitching shoulder. Nowhere else for them to go. Soccer, maybe a little bit on the sideline, but overall, you're going to see, and I think we're already starting to see this, is that they're you know delaying stuff. They can't look. Thank you for the follow. You can't. <laughs> Sorry, follow. Go ahead. <laughs> you can't jeopardize this all because we want to please america right america needs to stop whining and we just need to say look well is is the question of when does normal well i agree okay i agree but when does normalcy resume that's the question 
right? And sports, and probably, I think, are an, an essential part of normalcy. In my mind, they are. Like, because they really are a way for... Because America, like, we have so much sports, and sports culture is a lot of who we are, and, and it's a lot true. of... It represents, you know, your city. It represents where you live. It represents what you care about, and, and sports are... You know, UFC 249 was really a major event because it really... Um, it it showed that like we can we can make sports we happen in forward. the Corona era, you know we can make this happen. We're gonna try our best, and I I want to see effort from MLB and from NBA and NFL to be like, how can we be smart about reopening and letting it happen, right? Because you know UFC 250 may happen, and no other major sporting league is even close to doing anything, you know, like UFC 250, you know, um, that could be the next sporting one. And, and like, if the UFC can figure it out, like the MLB, the NFL, all these other companies, like they can't sustain this for forever. They, they need money as well as owners and whatever else. So how does normalcy resume? Um, should be said catalog. Thank you for the follow. I really appreciate that. Kellen looks like he's, he's, uh, fi having some issues, but yeah, I, Catalog says we need more bread and circuses. This is how you control the masses, all in caps. Uh, people need entertainment, though. I don't watch sports, but I acknowledge people do entertainment. Uh, I think I think you're right, and I think um, sports are a, a big part of that. And I, entertainment can be pretty broad, but um, yeah, I think sports it really does show like socially. It, it, it really is kind of an, a, a social expression, right? Because it's like, um, it's kind of a social expression that we've, we can deal with this situation, with this Corona situation without having to be completely alone with being smart, with doing social distancing, whatever we need to do. Um, yeah, I, I'm just making the case like sports, I think are a good, and I think Trump, Trump's talked about it a few times. Like it's a good representation of like who we are as America, that we can be smart enough to get sports back and going as a sign of like a robust nation who can, you know, deal with the very big difficulties, but also, you know, enjoy our sports and whatever else. And obviously we want the the teams and the players and everyone to be healthy and well, and we're, we're not trying to put them in a bad spot. But yeah, I, I think it's, we're going to have to see how it looks. Um, I mean, the entire NBA postseason was canceled. We would have been having the postseason right now, wouldn't we? Uh, yeah, it's May 14th. NBA postseason would have been going on. Uh, MLB would be getting going. This would have been the whole summer. Uh, we had the draft, the NFL draft, not too long ago, right? A few yeah. weeks ago. Um, yeah, draft happened. Hockey's been out. There's no hockey, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's What's going to be very interesting is how, how does – live sports because in to my mind i think live sports like people actually showing up to arenas and stadiums and stuff has never been better than it was before this stuff mm-hmm. like correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure the numbers across the board ufc nfl nba mlb the whole thing like ticket prices i remember looking at yankees tickets while i was in new york and i was like holy smokes like nosebleeds for like 150 dollars or something like that like yeah. it was ridiculous like i think People were paying for all these stadiums and whatever. We have these huge stadiums that are here. And and um, how do, how does the future look? Even if Rona ends up, you know, in a few years not being as big of a deal, like how does the future look with possible pandemic preparedness? Like are people going to be wanting to go back to stadiums and, and whatever else? I think that's 
that's gonna be a huge thing. Like, are are, are we gonna move more and more to viewing at home and not uh, not being at live sports? Well, the the feeling around, I mean, America right now is, and you're right, sports is part of America, right? I mean, it's it's kind of like who we identify, you know, as you know, as a nation, and we do want to get that back as fast as we can, but we also want to be play it safe, right? We don't want to, I mean, we don't want to go into something right now very fast and and all of a sudden just not take proper measures with all because there's a lot of overall there's a lot of players there's a lot of athletes involved in all the sports in america and we've already seen some of them have uh coronavirus i mean donovan mitchell for the utah jazz i think he had coronavirus and then jacare souza and the ufc had one and i mean masks they do a good job but they can't you know solve everything and we don't want to all of a sudden have this massive influx of people going into stadiums and they're right, right next to each other. I mean, it's like at your own risk. Maybe we should do it like come at your own risk. The stadium's open. You pay your tickets and you come in, but come at your own risk. You can bring a mask, do whatever you need to, but you're at your own risk. I mean, and I have, um, I probably should be doing this better and being more respectful to my parents because you know, I, I haven't been wearing a, ma- a mask as much as I should have just because I hate wearing a mask, but you know, I, I should probably get, you know, better with that, but it's like at your own risk, man. I mean, obviously stadiums now aren't open. So, but maybe in the future, it'll be, you know, come at your own risk. Everything is kind of, you know, in society feels like it's at your own risk. You go into, you go into grocery stores, people, some people won't have masks on and it obviously varies on place too. Like in our town, we have no active cases. We've had 41, 40 people have recovered. One person died in the hospital. Um, so we have no active cases right now, but you know, it could still be going around. We don't really know. Right. But I think, you know, in relationship to sports it's better to play it safe, man, than to all of a sudden just start having masses of athletes come in and be close to each other in a team environment. That's why UFC is so much different is because it's, it doesn't, it's not teams. I mean, there's, there's a, you know, a fighter and his training team, but they're not, there's not like 30 people in the octagon against 30 other people. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It's one-on-one. It's a different feel with UFC, you know, uh, catalog said in chat, nothing can take away. Uh, nothing can take away being at a stadium. It's like going to the movie theater. It's an experience. I totally agree with you on that as well. I mean, you yep. can't replace it's the same thing with in-person classes versus Zoom classes. Like in-person classes are way better. Zoom sucks, right? Like in-person Kellen and Alex show, way better than this Zoom nonsense. I mean, anyways, in the in-person shows we did, wild. Absolutely wild. Those as usual. Those were absolutely lit. I mean, I wish I was back there right now. You know what I'm going to do? We should ask for special permission to open up the studio. Like go on a night before graduation, just go in there and have like a two-hour podcast. Oh, that'd be dope. Yeah, like in August. Yeah. yeah. Are you going back to graduation? Are you planning Hell on that? Yeah, I'm going. Hell right, yeah, dope, I'm going dope, to graduation. Dope, 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 dope. Oh, you'll be around. You'll be around. You'll be around. Yeah. Are you going to graduation? Probably. I was thinking either doing that or doing a, a Veritas debate going to that. But um yeah, no, it's it's interesting with yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, UFC two forty nine though, what an event. Success. Huge, huge, huge success. I mean the fights. All the fights. Did you see that one heavyweight? <laughs> yeah. Nganu and Rosenstruck. Nganu, yeah. Oh my gosh. So Ngani I'll just I'll describe I'll describe the whole fight for you. So 
That was it. <laughs> he literally, Ngani just ran at him, threw a bunch of punches, and then all of a sudden landed. It was one miss, two miss, three blocked, and then four just slammed yeah. the guy across the head, and it was I just mean, like... Literally, Nganu is the most dangerous, I think, heavyweight I've ever seen. At least one of them. He just and looks like a monster, dude. He doesn't even look he, real. He just, his his body type. I mean, his he's like yeah, he's his body he's type. Like six four or something, and he's just absolutely ripped. He goes in there and he's fighting this guy that's ten and zero, Rosenstruck, who's from Suriname, and uh, which is I think it was a French. Was that a French colony? I think it's in South America. Um, I don't know, but uh, he he's ten and zero, and he goes in there and. He, I don't know if he was favored or not, but Nganu goes in there and Nganu goes straight at him. He misses twice with his right hand, misses twice. And then he goes in there and Rosenstruck just has his, just, it's one of those moments where it was perfect timing. He just goes in there. He hits him so hard that literally the force that he threw hit when it hit his head, it was like the same force after, I mean, he just threw a right hand or it might've been a left. I don't even know. And it hit him so hard that he just, it knocked him unconscious. Knocked him into tomorrow, dude. Cage. Unbelievable. 20, 20 seconds. Dude, Nganu's fights, the last four, he's, he's knocked out the person in like one minute or less <laughs> or something like that. And I mean, these guys. He just is overwhelmingly in, physical. They come like. in here, they come in and they just, they're, they're the mind games. I mean, Think about Conor McGregor, probably the best trash talker in UFC history by far. He goes in there and he just works his tail off in the gym. And that's why he wins his fights because he's so – he has this famous quote um, that says – let's see. I have a couple of them here, but one of his biggest ones is says, there's no talent here. This is hard work. It's an obsession. Talent doesn't exist. We are all equals as human beings. You could be anyone if you put in the time. You'll reach the top, and that's that. I don't think I could be in Ghana. I'm not talented. I'm not talented. I'm obsessed. I completely believe with that. There's no talent. It's about how how bad you want and how hard you're willing to work. That's what separates the great people from America and those that just are underachieving. You know what I'm saying? The great ones, the ones that have just made it up there, are the ones that have had this unbelievable drive and determination to get what they want. Hey, did you know that uh, that Mike Tyson is coming back to boxing? <laughs> I saw that. I was like, what? Have you guys heard of this? No. Have you guys in chat heard of this? No. Mike Tyson. Now I don't think anybody in chat knows who Mike Tyson is, Alex. <laughs> Mike Tyson's probably yeah. the probably the most famous fighter of all time. I mean, arguably. Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay. Yeah. Mike Tyson, comeback. 2020. This is quite something. Uh, as a 53-year-old, Iron Mike Tyson appears to be on the comeback trail. Fair enough, I guess. I mean, hey, if he comes back, that would be quite hilarious. I, I would I love know, that. I don't know what would happen. I don't what know happened what to sports? He probably KO somebody. <laughs> Wait, did, didn't like somebody. Evander Holyfield also said he wants to come back or something? Oh, no, dude. If Holyfield, if Holyfield came back and Tyson. Dude, that would be... Wouldn't that be crazy if they both came back? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Holy... F- oh, please. Please tell me this happens again. Evander Holyfield announces intention to fight Mike Tyson. 
No, no. These are a bunch of old men, dude. These are 50-year-old men. I mean, look, okay. So Joe was talking, Joe Rogan was talking about this on his podcast, that if they test these guys for hormone replacement therapy, they're going to not be able to get in. Because, like, he was talking about, do you, um, oh, what's the guy's name? How am I forgetting? Uh, the one guy who was like older and he's a legend in UFC. He was using hormone replacement therapy. Dan Henderson, not Henderson. Um, Michael Bisping, no, Bisping, the guy who fought Bisping and and beat him. Oh, George St. Pierre, no. Uh, uh, shoot, Uh, he beat Bisping, he beat Bisping. Uh, Vanderlei, I don't think Vanderlei Silva beat Bisping. I don't know. Um, shoot, I don't know. Mm hmm. I think Dan. It was Dan Henderson. He used testosterone replacement. Therapy. Okay, so he he probably did as well. But um, this other guy, um, Rockhold. No. No. Bisman's lost nine times. Holy smokes, dude! But he's won like thirty-one and had the or something had the greatest comeback in UFC history. Like. Oh really? Yeah. Well, like he's lost some fights, but. He came back all the way and became champion. That was like his greatest coming back moment. Um, Another quote from, I'm telling you guys, another quote from Conor McGregor. Keep believing in your ability. Believe in your shot. Believe in your move and show up at the gym. It's a recipe for success that cannot be stopped. You want to be the best you can be. You got to have the mentality that you're going to go in there and you're not going to be stopped by anybody. That's how you win in this world. You go in there and say, I'm going to flat out outwork you. I'm going to flat out beat you. That's how you do it. That's how you do it, man. I'm telling you right now. You go in there, you have that mentality, you will not fail. In the end. In the end of the, at the end of the day, you got to feel some way. So why not feel unbeatable? Why not feel untouchable? Why not feel like the best to ever do it? You can do that. It's your choice. Mike Tyson wants to do it. <laughs> Mike Tyson wants to be the best of all time. Um Calm looks like he's dipping a little bit, but uh guys, we have uh we're we're going to wrap up in about 10 minutes. Yeah, if you saw UFC 249, what did you guys think of it? And uh, did you enjoy it? Did you think it was a good event? Uh, if you don't know anything about UFC, are you interested in uh, sports opening, re- reopening? You know, what sports would you like to see reopen? Or even if not sports, um, yeah, what, what do you want to see reopen? And uh, what do you think it'll look like? Um, yeah, so if Mike Tyson comes back and they test him for hormone replacement therapy, uh, like home, hormone replacement you know, he could be not allowed to fight or whatever else, but um, they were mentioning, oh, wait, I have to let you in the room. There you go. Cool. They were mentioning the fact that, Joe was mentioning the fact that the, the hormone replacement therapy allows you to, like, go back. I was just saying with hormone replacement therapy, like, it allows you to, your body to really, um, yeah, get back to that shape that you were in like 20s or 30s. <laughs> but of course, you have all the experience of a lifetime of fighting, which is huge. I mean, you can be big and whatever, but like if you don't know fighting and like you've been doing it, experience is so huge, dude. People just think, you know, the stronger guy wins. Definitely not the case. No, guys with experience that will, you know, experience goes a long way. There's little clues that you have that they don't that can give you the victory. And you know, it's, it's dangerous when you have experience over someone else. Yeah. It's seriously, seriously dangerous. Yeah. Like, and even just making adjustments because of experience and knowing what you're doing. And, um, I don't know, like 
Do you remember the uh, the Connor versus uh, Mayweather fight? Yeah. That was like, you could tell. Mayweather's had longer boxing experience, yeah. and it's just oh, the yeah, experienced sure. fighter. Way and, longer. And and Connor is, he has the strength and he has the striking, and he got some like nice hits on Mayweather, but Mayweather mm-hmm. gassed him, took mm-hmm. him out. And yep. you could tell, like, you know, I, I kind of was having flashes of like the Gaethje style of like, he was so technical and technically sound. Like Gaethje's shots were perfect. You know, like oh, most man. of them were just so technically good, instant, fast, quick, whatever. Like, you know, watching Floyd, Money Mayweather, um, he delivered that. You know, when when he fought Connor, his shots when he took them in the later rounds were all just like excellent, excellent they were, shots. They just, yeah, they just tired out Connor. And I mean, Connor, you know, it's his first time in the boxing, and look, he got like through ten and a half rounds which is really good yeah I mean, going how long are those rounds minutes. i think they're three minute rounds three minute rounds yeah yeah ufc is five yeah depending on how many rounds but... five five rounds which is 25 minutes this was about yeah. a 30 minute bout i mean 25 yeah. minutes is a ton of time you know that's i mean look you, you got to have some serious cardio and stamina i mean you ever wonder you i mean there's so many boxers out there and so many other athletes that just don't make it to that level. It's just like, cause it's so competitive, you know, it's like, it's yep. insane at how many people are, you know, in this. And there's just so few that really get up there and, um, you know, it's crazy. Uh, but you gotta have serious cardio and stamina, man, to enter in, into, into boxing and UFC world. Because I mean, did you see Tony Ferguson's face? I mean, he got, he got, absolutely blitzed he did I mean, dude i'm going to show you guys a photo look at his face here if you guys can see this look oh. at that face right there look at that face oh man i mean he's got cuts under his uh left eye right eye yeah he's got blood everywhere i mean look the guys i just justin gaethje went in there and just delivered bomb after bomb after bomb and just and tony just ate it I mean, did you see, there was a video of him after he was dancing in the hospital. <laughs> Tony Ferguson? The guy's a nut. He's an absolute nut. I mean, I've never seen a guy. So He took he so many shots, and I have so no idea damage. how he took that much damage Nobody and didn't just either. fall over. He's got to just, like, not have a brain. Like Joe Rogan and Cormier said in the fight, I don't, how is he taking this much damage? And I, Unbelievable. I, I knew that was going to happen, though. I had a feeling that was going to happen because Tony wanted this so bad. He did. And it just It's sad because it's really sad now because Tony, he deserved this man. He can beat Khabib, and so can Justin. And that I almost would want fight. Ferguson Khabib more, you know, in, in a way. I do, like, too. Like, I do, too. Ferguson, who's prepared for Khabib, he wouldn't submit for anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he'd no. literally die before he'd submit. And, and like, yeah. look, I, I'm afraid of a Conor Khabib type where you try yeah. and strike with Gaethje and he's getting a few shots and then Khabib gets a lucky takedown and then stuff goes sour. Like, yeah, that's look, what happens. Everybody, this, that's what everybody That's how Khabib wins. And then everyone that's- hates watching it. Yeah. Look, literally... You said it perfectly, and my dad feels the exact same way and tells me all the time. In that, when Khabib fought Connor, people were booing in yep. the stands because they were just sick of Khabib because that's the only way he can win. 
That if is. Khabib, if Khabib decided to stand up and strike with Connor, he'd lose. He would have caught. He would have gotten absolutely obliterated. He would lose. But as part of UFC, as part of the game, you could submit people. It's not flashy. It's not fun. And it does nothing but like, you know, there's two guys who are trying who are trying to like feel each other out and like trying to figure out how I can get up and then grab this guy. And then like it, the fans don't want to see it. You know, I mean, now it's one thing like Nate Diaz. He's really good. He's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to go on the ground and see how guys in jujitsu are able to get out of certain positions and move into attack into another position to like roll around on the ground. It's interesting to see their experience, but when guys just keep going, they take someone down and they get back up and they take them down again. It just, it gets so boring. I mean, I want to see real boxing in the UFC, right? Like there's, it's also meant for, you know, taking guys down, but people appeal so much more to the boxing side because the mitts are so much, there's, they're less heavy. They're, you know, and they, you feel it a lot more, so much force when you get hit by those things. And that's what people love. And you get the kicks and you get like the whole, the whole shebang. Like, yep. It's not, and it's, you have all that space to work with too. Like it's, it's really a unique experience that like when both are striking, it's like so fun. Right. I mean, it's, it's huge and it's different than a boxing match, you know? And um, it's difficult because, you know, I think Ferguson would have been really well matched with Khabib. And that was not even going to happen because obviously he lost to Gaethje. And Gaethje's going get to the, get the fight versus but Khabib. Look, but look, Justin Gaethje, I think, is a Division One wrestler. And he has very good takedown skills and very good takedown uh, defense. And he, can, he will definitely outstrike Khabib and he will hurt Khabib with his strikes. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't either. I, I don't know. But I'm Beeb's in his, uh, his Dagestani wrestling gym doing nothing but quarantining and wrestling, you know, people and shooting AKs and all sorts of stuff. I, dude, they, have you seen some videos from Dagestan, like the place where they dude, are? Like it's, dude, it's, it's to, gnarly, dude. Dude, Habib would wrestle bears when he was young. <laughs> There's video of him wrestling. Totally believe it. Yeah. 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 Dude, those guys are, those guys are nuts out of their mind. Um. Yeah i i want I want to see him lose, and I think everyone in the U.S. wants to see him lose. Oh, everybody! Oh, dude, Gaethje in the U.S. especially, dude. Yeah, I know Gaethje. that. That's the added thing of like with <laughs> fights. There's the added thing of like this is the best of our country. Go get this other guy. You know what I mean? Like it's been that way for a while. Like boxing matches with Russia and other you know mm-hmm. other stuff back in the day, and this is just an extension of that. Um, when when stuff was a lot more. A lot more intense. All right, guys, we're about to wrap up pretty soon. If you got any final thoughts or questions, drop them in the chat. We had Mr. Athanasius Cirilla on the podcast. Mr. President interviewed him. That was really good. I really liked that segment. That was great. Uh, yeah, I'm really thankful that we had Nash on here. And just, you know, it's awesome. We're going to be able to see what he has for, you know, in store for Franciscan in 2021. Um, and hopefully, you know, this Corona thing will Hopefully it'll blow over, man. I really want schools to be open in the fall. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And so hopefully, you know, he'll be able to effectively in a, you know, back in an original, you know, normal environment, be able to, uh, you know, put into effect their plans for the university. And we'll see what happens. I mean, coronavirus is still pretty unpredictable. There might be a second wave that will come and maybe yeah. it could be even more disastrous. So we don't know. We have to be careful. 
everybody practice social distancing. It's very important. And uh, yeah, everybody just make sure, you know, pray, pray that this will, you know, we'll get through this. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a problem right now, but we, we have to, you know, look at it positively, have a positive outlook on it and just do the best that we can, you know? Heck yeah, dude. That's about all I got to say as well. Uh, Thank you all for, for, tuning in with us tonight did you ever hear the tragedy of darth plagueis the wise i have heard it i will i will not recite it but i have heard it it's quite a quite a tragedy um yeah this was a fun podcast dude we've had some pretty pretty good podcasts for the last uh few ones we had nation tonight we had mr larkins on the night before or sorry the week before and then uh clement so we've we've had the vice president and the president and uh obviously mr larkins that was great we had our graduation special that was dope. Um, yep. We'll see. We'll see who's in store for next week. Oh wait, last week. Wait a second. Last week we didn't have Nick. We had uh, we had Nick Mersh and uh, Nick not Nick Larkins. We had Nick Mersh and yeah. yeah, yeah. We had Dave, Dave Capella on. That was if awesome. You guys come that was dope. On, if you guys want to, if you guys want to come on, hit us up. Make something happen. Uh, and then the week before that, we had Nick Larkins, and the week before that, we had Clement, and they got elected. Uh, yeah, really cool to see them uh, get elected and get to you know. Take charge Definitely of Francisco. Definitely excited. Definitely excited. And uh, yeah, that was our opinion on UFC 249. What a great time. Looking forward to UFC 250. Have they announced anything about that at all? I don't I don't, I don't think know. so. I'm not sure. I don't think they have yet. They just had an event yesterday, though. <laughs> a fight night? Yeah, they had a fight night yesterday. Oh, where was and, it? Uh, and it was Glover Teixeira versus uh, Anthony Smith. And Teixeira, oh. I think, won in the fifth round. The third round oh, wow. or something. Fifth round, I don't know. June 6th is when UFC 250 is planned. And yeah. they want it in Nevada. They're trying to do it in they're trying to do it in Vegas, right? Well, look, I don't if is that the Khabib versus Justin fight? No one uh, knows, dude. I, I don't think it should be. I think because they're gonna give him oh. Yeah, they're gonna give him a lot title, more time. It's the title fight, they're gonna give him till probably September at least. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be a little bit longer. Anyways, we'll 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 keep it open. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Final thoughts, Mr. Lake? Just, uh, you know, guys, keep striving. That's all we can do. Keep working hard. You know, summer's out, guys. Or uh, summer's out. School's summer's out. In. Yeah, school's out. Summer's, summer's in. in. School's out. Guys, go up and party it up. Have fun. Graduating seniors. Let's party, guys. Hit me up. I'm all lonely over here, dude. <laughs> dude, come down to Sandy, brother. Come down to Sandy. I'm telling you, when stuff's open, brother, get down here. We'll have a graduation party. We'll do something. Hey, we'll go to the beach. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Kellen and Alex show. We will be back in uh, one week, Thursdays from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You have listened to the Alex and Kellen podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys, and have a good night.